Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by visiting patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. Welcome back, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener. This is episode number six. Is that right, Jason? Are we already at episode number six? We are on episode six. I can't believe it. I know. It's just time is flying by. feels like I just started doing these things the other day. I know, and we've survived Christmas, and we're on episode six, yes. (laughs) Well, before we jump into the show, we've got a little bit of business to attend to today, sir. Oh, really? Yeah. If you remember, we have been running a giveaway contest for iTunes reviews. That's right. So did we get a ton of glowing reviews? We got some glowing reviews. (laughs) I'm not going to say the word ton because that denotes a whole realm of weight that I don't want to feel like getting into. I can't do the whole metric to generic, but all that measurement stuff, that just confuses me. So we'll just say we've had some glowing reviews and we'd love more. So those of you out there, this will not be our only contest. Anybody who enters a review after this point will be entered into the next contest that we do. But today we're going to introduce the winner of our Scout Comic Books Five number one issues, count them. One, two, three, four, five scout ha, ha, comic ha, ha, books. Ha. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that winner is. Professor Allen. Yay, Professor Allen. <laughs> Yay, Way to Professor go, buddy. Allen. Yes. Professor Allison gave us he gave us a great review, glowing recommendation, five stars, so it's totally appropriate that he would win five number one issues from Scout Comics. Professor Allen, if you could do us a favor, send us an email with your address. We will get those issues out to you right away. Maybe after that, you can take a picture of them, put it out on social media for us. Tell everybody how wonderful Drawn and Panel was by giving you five wonderful comic books for you to enjoy. And I know Professor Allen will enjoy it because he is an economics professor. He's also a cheapskate. Uh, He he buys he buys twenty five cent comic books, so five free comic books is right up his alley. Well, there you go. Well, let's jump right into the show. Let's go. Living in the shadow of his alter ego, the Incredible Hulk, forever fearful of its next outburst of violence, David Banner is desperate in his search for an answer, a cure. Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be French fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. 
All right, everybody, it's time for my favorite segment, the news. Are you sure? Because you've said that a lot. I don't think it really is your favorite. Uh, It's one of my favorites. Tell me what stuff you found out in the world of news today, sir. First thing I found was about action figures or, or toys in general. Do you collect toys and action figures, George? I do a little bit. I mean, you know, there's kind of the whole nostalgic thing when it comes to those things, the old He-Man stuff and the old $6 million man G.I. Joe kind of things. But I haven't collected anything of the modern movements. What are you ta- Are you talking about modern stuff or old stuff? This is modern. So okay. Mattel has had the DC toy license for a long time now. And a new uh, toy manufacturer, Spin Master, has been awarded the DC toy contract really? for the next, next few years. They're going to wow. produce some, some action boys line of stuff. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. It's going to huh. be more, I think, kid oriented. I looked into Spin Master. A lot of their stuff are like puzzles. Uh, the most recognizable property they do is Paw Patrol. My niece and nephew love Paw Patrol. So okay. they do kind of more little kid stuff, but they're going to get into the DC realm with some, I think, remote control type figures and vehicles and that sort of <laughs> thing. So it's kind of well. an interesting uh a twist. I'm not sure what it's going to do for Mattel and the action figure. I was going to say, you know, maybe it's going to take a little bit out of their bottom line a little bit, so to speak. And that'll be interesting to see what happens with the Mattel stock prices going forward. Okay. All right. That's a nice piece of news. What else you got? So have you seen Aquaman yet? I have not seen Aquaman yet. You get a chance, go see it because everybody else has. Uh, It was (laughs) number one over the Christmas weekend. And this weekend now that we're recording this podcast, it's aiming to be number one again. Wow. Two weekends in a row. That's kind of rare these days for a movie. It is. And it had some stiff competition with Bumblebee and Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Which are both big movies, but Aquaman is uh, taking the world box office by storm and the domestic box office. Well, now that uh, we're talking about films, I want to find out what you thought of one of your favorite characters who just recently released a film, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Now, you talked a little bit last time that you were going to go see the film. I'm assuming you've seen it more than once, possibly. What did you think of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Well, unfortunately, I've only seen it once. Oh, you've still only seen it once. Okay. Yes, but I want to see it again because it is by far the best Spider-Man movie that I have seen to date. And I've talked to other other folks that are, you know, they're okay on Spider-Man. They kind of have the Spider-Man fatigue because there's been a lot of movies and everybody has loved the movie. Uh, I really liked it. It focuses on Miles Morales, which is a mm-hmm. different Spider-Man, newer Spider-Man. Not so much yeah, it's Peter, not the Peter Parker. Parker that we've seen no. in the past redone of what, two, three times now or something like that. Right. We still get Peter Parker in this because we have a lot of Spider-Men and women in this movie. Uh, so it's still an origin story of Miles, but we have this introduction of a Spider-Verse. So we get a Peter Parker we get Spider Gwen, who's a very popular character. We get Spider Ham, which is a right. talking yep. cartoon. You mentioned pig. that last time. Yep, sure. Yeah. So it's it's just loaded with all this fun, wacky stuff, but we still get a good Spider Man origin story. 
It has a great soundtrack, and the okay. animation is amazing. It's well, it hand, better be. It's an animated film. It's hand drawn, and it's CGI'd over the hand drawn characters and scenes, so it looks like a comic book. Nice. Uh, it looks like three D print, and they even use panels and thought bubbles and dialogue boxes. So there's times that you're watching like a three-dimensional comic book. So it's wow. really amazing. It's it, They've done it in such a way that mainstream audiences can appreciate it. It's a blast of a movie. Sony had 140 animators working on this, which is pretty big amount of animators for a film, for an animated yeah. film. So it's Sounds definitely like it's worth seeing. Yep, it's great. Those of you out there in the drawn and paneled universe, if you're interested in a great Spider-Man film, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has our drawn and paneled seal of approval, so to speak. And check out a full-length article on the GXG website for That's uh, right, GenXGrownUp.com. That's there right. You One dark night, an incoming cargo ship steams into Gotham City Harbor. Captain, the center section of City Bridge is collapsing. Sorry to interrupt, Gen Xers, but this show will be done before you know it. And then what are you going to do? You're going to need something to fill your ear holes with. And we're here to be that uh, ear hole filling thing. We're Blockbuster Nostalgia. We're a movie podcast that's counting down the biggest hit films of the 1980s based on how much money they made. Because that'll show those dirty 80s commies. Each week we have a few drinks. Or a lot. And talk about a different classic film. Which inevitably leads us to rant about things like... Where Luke Skywalker kept his sex robots. What if Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon was in fact a Velociraptor? Who would win in a fight between Rocky Balboa or a Gundam? How the Winter Olympics should definitely feature rabid wolves on skis. We even cast Vin Diesel one time as a talking car in a Smokey and a Bandit style rom-com. And we pitched Paul Blart Part 3, the one where he's a Thundercat. We've been at it for two years now, so we have plenty of vulgar, definitely not for kids, fun for you to enjoy. From Die Hard and Dirty Dancing to Ferris Bueller and Star Wars, we've got your favorite 80s movies covered. Check us out on Facebook, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is time for the Drawn and Paneled Roundtable segment. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> this is where we take some time to talk about three or four specific books that we are really interested in reading, that we've been reading lately, and that we find really compelling that we want to bring to the Drawn and Paneled universe. And we also always have a special guest panelist in this segment. And this week, our special guest panelist is Chris Fernandez from Mad Cave Studios. He is their chief strategic officer. Chris, how are you doing today, I'm sir? I'm good, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. How are you guys doing? So we love Mad Cave Studio. We've reviewed some of Mad Cave Studio's books That's in the right. past on our Comic Sans video series on YouTube. Thank you. We've done uh, Knights of the Golden Sun. We also did uh, Midnight Task Force, which was another great right. book. But yeah, we, we loved that to, one. Yeah, we did. Midnight Task Force was a really great story. But we wanted to talk a little bit today about one of your new books that has just come out. And I believe you have some more coming forward, but Honor and Curse. Chris, tell us a little bit about this story. Yes, Honor and Curse. It actually is our fourth original series coming out. It takes place in feudal Japan during the Edo period. Um, and it follows a promising young shinobi named Genshi Sakagura. Uh, he was orphaned as a young boy after the murder of his parents. Not too much spoilers right. there. It's just at the beginning right. of the book. So, you know, once you pick it up, you'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, right in the first few yeah. panels. And uh, he is a promising young Shinobi, like I mentioned, but he does have a haunting secret. Uh, he's being tormented by a demon. I don't want to spoil too much there. But, uh, you know, things were looking good for him uh, until he started having these horrible nightmares that uh, 
Yes. Terrible nightmares. Yes. That was some really uh, compelling stuff. The yeah. art in the book uh, really brings those nightmares to life and uh, makes you terrified of bugs and creatures. I know you're a rookie team. Battle Cats, Knights of the Golden Sun, those were good serviceable books. I like them a lot. I think you really came into your own with Midnight Task Force. That was probably my favorite title so far that you mm-hmm. guys have done. But then I think Honor and Curse is really going to knock it out of the park. I've only read the first issue, but man, is that some good. I wanted to ask a question because I thought it was an interesting choice. You have the character, as you mentioned earlier, is a young shinobi. Now, most people would have thought to go the ninja route because that's very standard. You know, everybody expects the the guy who's going to be some kind of supernatural fighter kind of guy to be a ninja. That's what we're used to in our culture. Why go with the term shinobi as opposed to ninja? Do you know anything about the background on that? Because I know Mark London wrote this and you and he are very close. I was just curious if that was a conscious choice or it what was a there. conscious choice very early on. And uh, it's something that was even brought up in the later stages of editing. He is head shinobi of his village. We felt that was a strong title for him. And we kind of are just playing with Mm -hmm. that term a little more loosely in our story. We're not very, you know, it's the story takes place in a real setting, but we're not, you know, necessarily tying ourselves down to a lot of uh, traditional themes. I got you. I have a question for you, Chris. I know you didn't write the book. But maybe you can give us a little bit of insight on the inspiration and source of of this story. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the um, you know Akira Kurosawa films, like Seven mm-hmm. Samurai and some of his other stuff, and then some more of the modern things, like um, not it's better than the Keanu Reeves movie, the Forty Seven Ronin. Oh, but it, it, yeah, I think my last bowel movement oh, was better than the Keanu Reeves movie, to be honest. <laughs> but it, it, I get a Kurosawa vibe um, for uh, your, the film buffs out there. But if you could give us a little bit of the background on the inspiration well, of the story. Uh, actually, Mark is a, a big movie buff, so you're pretty much nailing it on the head. Okay. Uh, everything you said, plus a little, uh, you know, he loves Ninja Scroll. Um, I'm a big fan okay. myself. Uh, also, you know, video games like, for example, the Shinobi video game. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was reading that title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Mark is, again, a big movie buff. So you pretty much nailed it with the inspiration for this series. Uh, and one thing that you'll notice with a lot of Mad Cave books, like the stuff you've mentioned, Knights of the Golden Sun, Battle Cats, Midnight, and Honor and Curse, they're all different genres. Yes, that's so, true, right? Uh, another inspiration for things is, you know, different Variety. So if, you know, okay, we got our, our ninja story out of the way, we got our cyberpunk detective. Uh, so little by little, we're going to, you know, hit all the varieties there. One thing that I noticed about Mag Cave Studio titles so far is that they have been very heavily moving, heavily formatted in the drama genre. There's a lot of high drama in each one of the series. It's heartfelt, string-pulling kind of stuff. You know, whether you talk about Midnight Task Force, that guy, you know, he's a war vet who has multiple personality disorder kind of thing going on, but there's some supernatural elements to it. The battle cats who are on this massive quest to protect their world and their land. You know, all the Knights of the Golden Sun with the whole biblical element there. Uh, honor and curse. I mean, the title alone, honor and curse. There's all drama. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any plans to do anything in any of the other genres? Like say maybe comedy or are you going to stay away from the superhero stuff? Are you wanting to focus more? Because with the independent books that are out there, 
I find that the reason why their storylines are better is because they don't go necessarily for the spandex and tights movement. They go for the story first and the characters first, rather than the glitz and the glam. What's the philosophy for Mad Cave Studios? So, uh, kind of what I was mentioning a little bit before uh, with the variety side of things. Um, you're totally right that you know a lot of the independent books just don't deal with uh, superheroes, but there are a few that uh, mm-hmm. kind of subvert the genre in a sense. And make it a little bit more about the pers- mm-hmm. the characters, the personalities within the stories. Um, I can't talk too much about some stuff we haven't announced yet. But if you look okay. into the variety comment I made a minute ago, uh, you should have an idea of where we're going. You know, fill in the gaps kind of thing. Nice. So Okay, so a minor drawn and paneled yes, exclusive yes. there. Yes, I mean, there's definitely, you know, <laughs> always, you know, we're here to stay. So there's always stuff in the works. Um and a lot of it's going to get announced within the next couple months. You know, we had a talent search uh, a few months back and, um, you know, the winners have been hard at work. So, yeah. Nice. Very exciting. Oh, very cool. What are your plans for Honor and Curse moving forward? Is it going to continue in the single issue format or are you going to move into trades? What are we going to do with yeah, Honor so and Curse? So, we are, you know, the first arc is six issues. That should run until about, I want to say it's, mm-hmm. my math might be off here, about August. July. Um, and okay. then we'll be releasing the trade for sure. Um, we're definitely, you know, looking to carry the story. Um, we really love the world we created, the characters. Um, there's a lot of story to tell between Genshi and his uh, tormentor. I don't want to spoil too much. But um, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> so right. we definitely have a lot planned for it. Um, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but we have some really cool plans with our Shinobi. Well, let's talk a little bit about my book that I brought into Roundtable this week. I, I kind of brought in two because I brought Chris in to talk about Mad Cave Studios, but there's also another book that I've been reading. I mentioned it a couple of times in the pull list over the last couple of episodes. Stranger Things is just finishing up its four-issue miniseries run, and man, has this been a fun book. Have you read any of it, Jason? I have. I've read three issues of it. Mm-hmm. It is a fun book. I feel like we need to cue in the Stranger Things music while we talk <laughs> no, about it. No, that would be copyright infringement, sir. Yeah. Oh, we don't want to do <laughs> no, that. We, we need to stay I away from to- that. So just to set it up a little bit for those of you out there listening, Stranger Things, the comic book, takes place between season... Well, actually in the middle of season one. It's not between seasons one right. or two, which I was about to say, but I would have been wrong. It's during season one, but it's the whole story of Will Byers when he's in the upside down universe and it's his progression of how he survives and how he ends up being saved in the last issue of that one. Uh, Chris, have you been able to check out Stranger Things? Are you a fan of the TV yeah, show? Actually, uh, I'm a fan of uh, a lot with the book. Actually, I love the TV show. So does my wife. So, I mean, that's always a plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, also mm-hmm. a fan of Jody Hauser, um, who had previously written Faith, uh, Valiant Book, and Mother Panic. Uh, oh, okay, nice. Uh, another book from uh, called uh, publisher called Young Animal. So yeah, I was a, I was on board from the get go. For me, it was the covers that drew me in. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but they took, especially the variants, they made them look like 70s styles magazines with little frayed edges yes. and everything on them on several of the covers. That grabbed me right away. I ended up collecting every single variant they had, except for nice. a couple of the initial. Oh, really? Yeah, like, except for issue number one, which had like eight variants because they had some retailer variants. I right. haven't gotten all of those yet. I have like three of those left to get, but I've collected every single variant because those covers are just outstanding. 
So is that in your allowance, George, to get all those variants too? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about my allowance as we go forward, but I always manage okay. to find some way. I, I drive some people Uber or Lyft or something, whatever I can to feed my gotcha. comic habit of getting Stranger Things. I, I think the story, though, let's get to that for a second. The story really serviced itself well because, you know, it was kind of in – it was already in a bubble. It was already in a capsule because you already had watched the series. Likely, if you were reading this comic book, you already knew that Will was going to get saved. You already knew that he was right. in the upside down world. But what I found really unique and interesting was that they were able to keep me interested in the story throughout all four issues, even though I knew what the ending was going to be. Right. I, I agree with you. I Sometimes these adaptions or spinoffs from TV shows, the comic doesn't really provide a whole lot to you to keep you hooked because you already know what's going to happen. But I think they did a really good job, especially with Will kind of equating his adventure in the Upside Down to his Dungeons and Dragons game. Yeah. I thought that was kind of an the interesting relational twist. Element there, that was uh, nice. Yes. What about the um, – so, Chris, there was a narrator that we saw throughout these stories in issues one through four. Right. And I couldn't really tell the voice of the narrator if it was supposed to be Will's voice or it was supposed to be an independent narrator. What did you think of that from a creative standpoint? Was that something no. that Mad Cave has ever thought about using or used in any of their books? And if so, why would you go with a narrator as opposed to first person? You, point you know, I, I actually noticed that uh, reading. I've read the first three issues. And I said, hey, what, hold on a second. This whole book is is narrated. And I still don't know who's, I don't know if you find out at the end of the fourth issue. Um, I, no, not really. No? Okay. Yeah. Well, no. then let's chalk it no. up to, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Let's, maybe it's the big spider thing. We don't know what it is yet. I don't know. Did that take you out of the story or was that something that was okay for you anyway? It was okay for me. I think mostly because of what you said earlier that you, you know Will's going to make it. So you're kind of hearing a story. It's almost like an an audio book without the audio in a sense, a book. I don't know how to Right. It was weird. Like at points it was it was hard to tell. It was it was narrating their Dungeons and Dragons yeah. game. Another part it was narrating, you know, his exploits there in the upside down. Yeah, it was weird. It was going back and forth, but I thought that it tied the story together and keep it kept it just unique enough for me to stay interested in reading the books. I think if they had just done it straight, I might not have finished the whole series. Yeah, I think it's a, a big part of it. Also, I, I really enjoy the art, uh, seeing the upside down. Mm -hmm. in, uh, I mean, having more time to mm -hmm. soak it in. Uh, yeah. Big plus. Uh, Demogorgon looks really cool. Those scenes are actually really tense with uh, Little Will. Yeah. Uh, his bed and everything. Are. So I think they yes. did a really good job of even getting uh, the character, his personality across in the books. So, I mean, I like, I, I'm enjoying I it. I'm enjoying it. Jason, I want to find out about the book that you wanted to talk about today in the round table. Your book that you brought to us has a very unique art style. Yes. So I chose Klaus and the Crying Snowman, which has become a Christmas tradition now for me. Uh, this is from Boom Studios, uh, and it's continuing their yearly one shot of Klaus. Um I know, George, you weren't really no. familiar with it before I brought yeah. it to the roundtable. Chris, are you familiar with, with Klaus? It's a Grant yeah, Morrison so I've always series. heard of it, never read it until this week. I'm a Grant Morrison fan, but I just never, okay. just never got around to it. I'm going to focus on this book, but I recommend checking out the six-issue miniseries and the other two one-shots. 
um, out of this. But this one, the Klaus and the Crying Snowman, is a pretty wild book. It focuses on our Santa Claus, that's like you know, badass warrior guy, uh, helping a crying snowman. It seems to be a ne- negligent father has turned into a snowman. Uh, but then you've got Klaus and some other Christmas characters like a communist Santa Claus and a goat and some other stuff trying to, you know, stop Ragnarok from happening. And then you've got this, you know, dad that's a snowman. So it's, it's wild stuff, which you can expect from Grant Morrison. Uh, what did you guys think about the book? Because I know it, y'all were both new to it. It's It's pretty wild. <laughs> Thank you for explaining it because I was completely lost and I... Chalk it up to myself. I'm not blaming Graham Morrison or anybody. I was like, what is going on here? I don't know who the snowman is. There's a, a communist Santa Claus. It was crazy. Right. <laughs> did I, I mean, it's Graham Morrison. What can I, what can I, what did I expect? You know? Um, right. But I have to say, I f- made sure that no matter how confused I was, I flipped through every page because Dan Moore's art in that book is, I, to me, stellar. I think it's pops off the page. Yes. You talked about flipping through the pages. This is a trade paperback, but it's only 50 pages. I'm used to trades being a little bit larger than that, like around, you know, 90 to 100 pages, because usually they collect five to six issues worth of comic books, you know, at 20 to 25 pages a piece. So I was kind of surprised that it was a smaller trade paperback, but I was still captivated by the story. I enjoyed it. It The one thing that I felt like as though because I hadn't read the previous Klaus adventures, I felt like that they assumed the reader already Mm -hmm. knew some of the characters, the way they presented them early on in the book. And so I was a little bit lost at first, but I thought they tied it together probably by about page five or 10 that enabled me to really get into the story and start focusing on what was going on. And then I think the only weirdness was the whole snowman thing. I still, to this point, don't understand what was going on with the snowman with the weird arm and he's the spirit of the father, but the father's still alive. Uh, That whole thing was confusing to me. Yeah, it it was a little strange because they didn't give a lot of detail of why he was or how he became a snowman, but there's... The panels are kind of snuck in there, but you you never see his human face or I don't think his wife's face or his child's face. But I got the impression that this was kind of a typical Christmas tale woven about, you know, a negligent father that, you know, apparently he cheated on his wife, didn't pay attention to his son and is cursed with becoming a snowman, realizes that he did wrong. He helps Klaus. And at the end, he is redeemed and becomes human again. But they kind of just... They didn't detail too much on it. They just kind of threw it in there. And then at the end, after he, you know, sort of saves the day, uh, you know, is reunited with his son again. So it it was kind of a backwards way of telling a a classic Christmas tale with, you know, throwing in tree people (laughs) and giant snakes and demons and all kinds of stuff. Weirded out by the amount of pages in the trade bag. You know, you add 10 more pages to that trade, make it a 60 page trade. I think you could tell that story of the snowman mm-hmm. a little bit more effectively. You could have talked a little bit about why he's a snowman, what happened to him. You could have done some flashback moments a little bit more effective. Chris, would you have advocated for more pages in this story or kept it the same way it was? Oh, for me, more pages. Definitely. Okay. I mean, again, I read it with almost no context. So 
anything added to that would have been a, gotten a long way for me. Uh, but now that I've, you know, you guys have been talking about it, I think I have to go back and reread it with uh, some new focus. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that's a, that's a good mark of a good book, right? If you pick it up and read it again, yeah. there's always something good about that. Absolutely. Superman! Here! Aquaman! Here! Wonder Woman! Here! Flash! Here! Metamorpho! Here! Plastic Man! Here! And Batman! Huckleberry Comics is a publisher working on creating the most innovative and unique graphic novels, one-shots, manga, tabletop games, and even eventually video games. Right now, we're working on getting ready to launch Dream State Radicals, a project which has taken 18 artists over two years to create. It's a gritty sci-fi thriller in the vein of Dusex, Blade Runner, Detroit, and so many more. It's an awesome graphic novel with tons of free concept art and will be launching on Indiegogo early 2019. Follow us on Twitter at HuckleberryDSR, like us on Facebook, or check out our website to learn more. Fans, it's time for the poll list. Woohoo! This is what we're picking up this week, which is going to be the first Wednesday in the new <laughs> year. These are the new books of 2019. Yes. Chris, as always, we go to our guest first. What are you picking up this week? Bit of a light week, as was last week, but I'm definitely going to be picking up Umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. Hotel Oblivion number four from Dark Horse. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Love oh, that series. Uh, yeah. was totally on board when they announced the third volume. A uh, few guys like crazy, almost superhero stuff. I mean, I can't recommend this book enough. Big fan of the writer, big fan of the artist. Uh, also going to be picking up Heroes in Crisis number four. Um, I'm enjoying the series so far. I don't know about you guys. I think it's going to read really well once it's all said and done. I read the first issue. Yeah. Definitely picking that up. I'm also going to be picking up a little book called Rags. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Yes. Mm-mm. Yeah, this is the one that constantly sells out, right? Yeah. So I actually, the one I'm going to be picking up next week is a second printing because... Wow. But that's another really cool book. Okay. Um, it's by Antarctic Press. It follows like, it's a zombie apocalypse book, which I'm actually not a huge fan of to begin with. But the Ooh, art is I really like impressive. zombie apocalypse stuff. Oh, well then I think you'll be right on board. It's a fun book. Uh, a lot of cursing. So, you know. Not for the faint of heart at all. And I'm also going to be picking up a book called Wolverine Long Nights. That book is based on a podcast that I listened to the first episode of. And I believe uh, George is also a fan of. Yes, absolutely. And that is my week. I'm going to be picking up some back issues as well, but that's the new stuff. Jason, what about you? As Chris said, it's a light light week, which is, you know, typical with kind of the end and beginning of the years. I'm going to pick up Conan Reader from Vertigo, uh, nice. from Dark Horse. Uh, Conan has now moved on to Marvel, but this trade collects a lot of the one-shots that are based on the Robert E. Howard stuff. Uh, also going to pick up TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, IDW 2020, Jinx Volume 1 from Vertigo, WWE number 24, because they have some awesome variant covers uh, associated with this one with Bobby the Brain Heenan and George the Animal Steel. Going to pick up Aaron Boys from Image Comics and from Mad Cave Studios. It looks like we're going to get Midnight Task Force Volume 1. So looking forward to that. 
And George, what's in the allowance this week? All right, so I've done a few chores here and there, but while I was doing the chores, I was able to grab a couple extra bucks out of my wife's wallet so that I could grab that Wolverine Uh Long Night that Chris (laughs) was mentioning earlier. Uh, I'm also going to be grabbing the final issue, Stranger Things number four. I was able to read it on a preview release thanks to our ties at GWW. But I'm going to go ahead and pick up the physical copy because, like I said earlier, I love to collect all the variant covers of that series. Walking Dead number 187 comes out this week, so that's going to be on my pickup list. And then finally, another book, Knights of the Golden Sun issue number two. Now, this is this one's been a little while coming. It It's a Mad Cave Studios book, and it's very biblical oriented, Archangel Michael and all this kind of stuff in mm-hmm. it and everything. But the artwork in this is, as Mad Cave Studios always does, is outstanding. I really enjoyed the first issue, and I reviewed this thing like six months ago for issue number one. So I've been looking forward to issue number two for quite a while, and I'm glad it's finally coming out. So I'm going to be grabbing that one as well. I charged out of the hotel into the night, found a telephone booth, ducked in, performed my Superman quick change act, and took off. This week on Laser Time, the Internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. As of 1984. Oh, yes. um, What do you think... What do you think Phil Phillips, Prince Gary, not Prince Gary, Pastor Gary, (laughs) are going to have a problem with E.T.? Is there anything you can guess off the top of your head? Oh, man. Um, Cross-dressing. It's against violence. There is totally (laughs) (laughs) cross-dressing. Adamantly against cross-dressing. He he saved that scorn for uh, someone else. uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial. What what can we say about him? Well, E.T. smashed box office records in 1982 by doing $318 million. It was a camouflage occult movie, including uh, Levitt. Meditation, psychic healing, mind control, uh, mental telepathy. E.T. also included some inferences to homosexuality. What? No, it didn't. (laughs) No, it didn't. False. Let me see the part of your brain. That's he, he doesn't go on to elaborate. Oh, I was gonna say, like, well, you just pause it, so go on. There are he doesn't. There is not a hint of any kind of sexuality in this entire film. Is it the mom's film. haircut? Uh, oh wait, no, he does kiss someone <laughs> while drunk. Jesus Christ, the '80s were weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the mom's haircut is a little gay. <laughs> I say this as having her haircut right now. <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LaserTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And that will wrap it up for another issue of Drawn and Paneled Podcast. Guys, a lot of fun this week, but before we get out of here, I want to give our guest, Chris, a chance to tell us all about where everyone can find Mad Cave Studios and Honor and Curse. Well, thank you very much. So um, for all you fans out there, all you cave dwellers, you can head over to madcavestudios.com for information on all of our series, as well as upcoming information on things we have yet to announce, what conventions we're going to be at, what trailers we're going to be putting out, and you can also get a lot of inside looks as to what our creators are working on 
on a day-to-day basis by following us on social media at Mad Cave Studios. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Google Plus, the whole deal. We will be back with our regular episode in two weeks, but next week we're going to be coming back with one of our back issue podcasts where we take a single book, story arc, or character and dig in deep. Jason, what are we going to talk about next week? We're going to focus on a character this time, and we're going to go under the sea for Aquaman. Well, that makes sense with number one movie in the nation and a great character hopefully part of the dc resurgence aquaman certainly is worthy of a back issue podcast yep that'll do it for drawn and paneled thanks again so much for being here with us this week chris my pleasure gentlemen thank you for having me jason thank you as always Uh, it's my pleasure and we will see you guys next time bye-bye see you guys later This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly. And our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.